And we don't like to give him press, but no. we like to talk shit on him. These are this is just quotes of his, and I just want to just do a couple. Um, these are on showing his humility. Um, I'm also honored to have the greatest temperament that anybody has. That's a good impression. I am. I alone can fix it. Um, I think I am actually humble. I think I'm much more humble than you would understand. <laughs> oh, the beauty of me is that I'm very rich. <laughs> but it's, it's, where do you start? It's almost sad, isn't it? Here, His daddy did not love him. Well, you can't. Can you make fun of somebody who clearly yes. is, has an IQ of about two? Yes. He doesn't read. He watches 15 TVs at once. I will be the greatest jobs president that God ever created. These are pr- quotes of his. All of the women on The Apprentice flirted with me, consciously or unconsciously. That's to be expected. Okay. And I his mean, dick looks like a mushroom. I can't. I don't. I don't know how anyone could find him attractive for a start. Let's talk about that. Let me tell you, because I'm a really smart guy. And, well, apparently he just goes around grabbing people's pussy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I've never known that to work. It doesn't. It's not a good. Pick first up, of all, is it? we've we've had. It's not we've, shake hands. We've talked about this. Like, how do you actually really grab? Like, it's. I think it's just a general area. You can't. But you're fingering. It's a finger, yeah. not grab. What it, yeah. It yeah. You're grabbing good. taco meat. You'd have to yeah, you'd have to go in taco or the taco that way. Yeah, like the lips. Yeah. But Sorry, losers and haters, but my IQ is one of the highest, and you all know it. Please don't feel stupid or insecure. It's not your fault. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. I have to apologize to the world again for this terrible, terrible mistake. My fingers are long and beautiful, as it has been well documented uh, are various other parts of my body. <laughs> I would l- I would press him on what he means by that. He's talking about his dick. Is he? Right, of course. My he fingers is. are long and beautiful, as it has been well documented, are various other parts of my you body. You know, well, I mean, when people talk like that, they have small dicks. Yeah, oh, here's the other one. He referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you, there's no problem. I guarantee it. That's, I mean, that's fine. I'm happy he's happy, but I don't want to know about that. You know what I mean? I'm, if he's got, if he's got a mass, if his, if his dick is, you know, like a Cumberland sausage, I'm happy for a him. Cumberland Good for sausage. Him. Yeah. But you know Good that's not him. the case. I know it's not the case, but I'd let him think that. I'm happy. F- but it's when he starts pointing it out, then you have to go, actually, Donald, compared to other people's yeah. things, yours is very small. Yeah. Like, but if he, if he's happy to keep it to himself and he goes, I've got a big dick in private, you can go, of course you have, Donald. And then that's <laughs> it, yeah. And leave him to it. Nobody respects women more than me. <laughs> That's another <laughs> quote, right? he said. And then three minutes later in the same speech, he said, such a nasty woman. Remember the nasty, nasty quote w- when he was talking about Hillary? Hillary? <laughs> uh, I, I just think after having Barack Obama as well, you guys had it too good for too long. And now you, it's gone too far the other way. And you're really noticing more of a difference because you went from someone who is actually not a knob to no. someone, to well, like a normal... normal well, that, that like j- a real president? Yeah. Well, that just lets you yeah. know how racist this country is. I mean, seriously. And the or fact that ma- you know, women. the fact of the matter is, unfortunately, I got blame you, white woman here. <laughs> how fifty-two percent of y'all white women voted for this man? I don't get it. But <laughs> um, but it, but the thing is, here's a, we have a thing called elect electoral co- uh, college vote, which is yeah, that's needs peculiar to, to me. I don't I don't understand how yeah, that works. Right, that's the only reason why he won because he did get Hillary did get three million of the, of the popular vote. But how is that democratic? If it's not. It's not. The, the it's not. That sounds at, like the absolute reverse of democracy because. It, 
it the took electoral college was originally created because black votes were only they, they started saying that black votes were only two th worth two thirds so they were like two Jim thirds Crow a person yeah kind no, of like black people weren't able to vote that they weren't able to vote but the people who owned them got oh. an extra two thirds vote was, or something it was, for an, it was an attempt as well to like so you give yourself give the rich more power essentially in, yeah. in, in a say of it wasn't it and so now it benefits mostly republicans yeah. here yeah. so and yeah. the the democrats have been trying that to wrong. Huh? You pronounce yeah. that slightly wrong. Or did you not? Uh, no, no, that's, that's, that's how you say I, 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 I remember what I said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is, here's that actual quote about the grabbing by the pussy. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. Just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You could do anything. Grab them by the pussy. You could do anything. I just, it's I, called rape. It's well, it's assault. Aside from anything else, it's just it's inappropriate and not very polite, is it? And he still won. And he still that. won. White women again. Yeah, you know, he just <laughs> but says that begs about the women. question is how how many people sat there and went, well, sounds like a nice, sounds like a good Saturday. I like, <laughs> and the thing is just like, you know, that was like, he said that, that we found the, the tape out like a couple weeks before the election. And so usually back in the old days, stuff like that would have been like, oh, well, we're not going to vote for him. But I guess the crazy crackers in the South were like, we like him. He's pretty good. Wow. And white women were like, we like rape. This is this is funny. This is a funny one. <laughs> Believe me, she would not be my first choice. I can tell you. Uh, Donald Trump mocking the women who alleged he sexually assaulted them, suggesting his accusers weren't attractive enough to earn his attention. I I just it. That's horrendous. It, isn't it's it? horrible. He's a horrible. I mean, but the. Th but I think he thinks yeah. it's. I don't. It's so. It's just so sad. A person who is very flat-chested is hard to be a ten. It's very hard to be a 10. I didn't know about that one. I mean, it's bad that. enough if he was just some maniac. That would still be bad. But the fact that he is, he is the most powerful maniac on right. the planet, yeah. which is even scarier. It's super, the fact of the matter scary. is just like you can't, I can't, you can never re respect anybody like that. Like he, he was a, uh, uh, last week he d did some interviews and they went terrible, obviously. Mm. And he was saying like, people need to respect, people need to respect the White House. And then he goes and calls one of a journalist stupid. That's a stupid question. Yeah. That's a stupid, stupid question. For you usually ask stupid questions. It's <gasps> Free trade is terrible. Free trade can be wonderful if you have smart people, but we have stupid people. <laughs> Who is he talking about? Us or? Also, like that's <laughs> that, that's not an answer. That's not something a president should say. Because what's his? Okay, so what then, Donald? What we're gonna? It's an, uh, free trade is terrible, cool. So what we're gonna do? Yeah, he doesn't on. know because you own a business, so f that's free trade. Not free trade. I don't know what he, is. He don't. He don't right. know what he's doing. He watches cable TV all day. Fifteen at once, so he never gets much of anything. Right. Of it, he's like. just looking at. I I I dare the media so for funny. like for like at least a couple days not talk to him about him and see how his head would explode. <laughs> Seriously, because he's such a narcissist. You know, even when we had, we had a synagogue shooting here, what, like a couple weeks ago? Mm -hmm. And he mentioned the fact that that shooting really kind of hurt uh, uh, our, uh, the election for us. I'm like, who says that 11 people died in a mass shooting? And that's what you had to say? Wow, you should kill yourself. Well, I think he hates Jews too, not just oh, black people. No, he, well, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a nationalist. Oh, well, he doesn't great. just say, <laughs> he just called himself a nationalist and Macron 
just gave a speech about the difference between being a patriot and a nationalist. Long behold, that's what World War One and World War Two was about. The fact that the Germans were national. I mean, it just mm. people who I'm sorry, people who are 45 supporters are fucking racist, I- ignorant, sexist. And just and our country is totally divided. You looked at the elections last week. It's like 50-50. There's half of us that seem to be, I don't know, compassionate and like abortion a lot, and the other half are like, we don't like them gays at all. And we don't want any health care. <laughs> lo- and I here's th- the thing. I've never met. Well, I've met about. A couple of bad gays, but they're generally such nice people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you can, if it's a nice, it's a good stereotype. I just think, yeah. <laughs> You've obviously never met one, have you, Donald? Yeah. Unless as decorator. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe Donald is a bit. Usually, oh, people like gay. that are yeah, usually. Exactly. So maybe he's he needs like to have a look. He's at like himself. a freshman at Berkeley. He protests mm. too much. There you go. <laughs> he, he's he would he'd be a bottom. He yeah. Because oh. his top wouldn't fit. Well, on that, ending on an ass joke, uh, a butt rape joke, is the way we, that's the way we roll out on a, on a, it doesn't have to be rape, it just could be butt sex. Yeah, it it's consensual. It, it, it consensu- is consensual. It could be consensual. He loves it. He loves it. On that. <laughs> well, maybe, he, then maybe he wouldn't, he'd feel a bit bad about yeah. raping everybody else, wouldn't he? So. Ta-ha. An, uh-huh. an asshole for an asshole. Yes, there you there go. An go. eye for an eye and everyone would be blind. <laughs> 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 this was fun. And then, <laughs> uh, Thomas, it was so much fun to have you. Yeah. And we're friends on Facebook now and you have to eat in and out We'll make a, I'll make a list for you. Do of it. Delicious places to eat in San Francisco. But the mission, burrito as big as your head. Uh, there's also some good Burmese food here, but just in the mission, it's like there's this place called Yamo that's killer and it's so cheap. It's like six fifty for a lunch and it's so good. Black bean fish. And if you want <laughs> some good beer, you can come to McKellar, which ah. is not too far away from your hostel. I'm I'm a fan of beer. I'll that's, tell you that. Uh, Latoya works tonight. I, I I'm at Bender's tonight. I work tonight at Bender's, but I don't do the bar. I do the food. So. Oh. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for being here. You are great. Your song is amazing. I can't wait till you're famous. Stop it. You're fire. Stop it. It's true. You're really great. It was so nice. We met at uh, the hearth, uh, Meredith Godfrey. Hey, everybody. I'll give her a free plug. She has a a great podcast on Mondays from 6 to 8. And she also has an amazing show on Saturdays that's comedy. And she's been very helpful. I wouldn't have been booked at that show in... Um, Arkansas without her because she gave me a, I had to make a tape last minute and she you got put it. me on without and then it was great and I taped it and now I get to go to Arkansas can I quickly just say uh, like Please. Meredith you're lovely isn't she you, great you're just the best you're so nice and everyone should go to the hearth and see Meredith yeah it's on 11th and Geary go down get a drink uh, say hi to Meredith and listen to her podcast and go on a Saturday night and see some great comedy uh, everybody goes it's a lot of fun alright we'll see you guys next week here on the Oldcast bye, bye suckers Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2019. Applications open until November 30th for 25 shows in five days. 40 comics chosen March 1st through 5th, 2019 for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's our fourth annual, and we hope you apply 
from whatever part of the nation or international comedy scene you come from. Apply now through November 30th. Go to our website, www.mutinyradio.fm, for more details. Aloha, mutineers. Stolowitz here. People ask me, Dave, why do you spend so much time listening to mutinyradio.fm? Well, the answer's simple to me. It's the love I find here. We've got so many great programs here. There's something for everybody, surely. Well, maybe not the Hitler crew, but you know everyone else. Let me tell you about some of my favorite shows here at Mutiny you may not have heard about. Labor and Love with Bill Morgan is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Bill is passionate about labor, jazz, and solidarity, and he tells you how it is. No BS. If somebody gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. I always learn a lot from Labor and Love. It's educational and inspirational. The Common Thread Collective is every Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. with legendary octogenarian hate ashbury activist Diamond Dave. With help from his friends, Dave talks news, wisdom, progressive activism, and spirituality. There's also open mic time for music, poetry, and stories. Comics gotta hold off till happy hour, though. Oh, and check out Flat Black Plastic with Scott Walker, Saturdays from noon to 2. The title says it all. Classic vinyl albums with no apologies. Great stuff! You can listen in live to these fine programs on mutinyradio.fm or download the podcast at your convenience on Apple iTunes. What a deal! Authentic, real San Francisco love. That's what keeps our ship afloat. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be like in front of an audience, like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRatio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRatio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> For all your 
your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Welcome to the Parkside. It's War Bison, motherfuckers. This is not my show. We're at the Parkside. I just put my brain.
Bison here at the park side.
fucking funny, right?
them up, war bison. At the park side.
Oh, yeah, and Google Play. And Stitcher. iTunes. Oh, you already said that. TuneIn Radio. Uh, Stitcher, you said that. Spotify. Oh, my God, there's just so many. And Overcast. Um, Yes, you can also find us on social media. M as in Mary, L as in Larry, P as in Peter. Podcast. MOV Podcast is our handle. Until next time, I hope you're enjoying your view. Yes. Bye. Bye. That kind of sucked balls. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for mere fun dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling.
Well, hello and welcome to Women's Magazine here at MutinyRadio.fm. That was Pamela Parker. She's going to be calling in today in about two, at about 2.15. That was a, kind of a new track called Pedal to the Metal. Uh, today's theme of Women's Magazine is women who rock and roll with the punches of the in- music industry. So I'm really excited. We have amazing guests here today. And we're actually going to start off the show with a live performance from Pop. Hollywood, who's here uh, kind of on a tour. Uh, she's going to play us a song, sing us a song, and um, then we'll hear a little bit about where she's going next. So, Polly, thanks for being here. Take All it away. Right. Thanks for having me. This is a brand new song. It's called Bring Me My New Life, I think. Um, I wrote it actually with the drum kit, and it's the first song I wrote that's lies heavily on the ride symbol but since today all I have is a pair of bongos it'll be brand new so <laughs> here we go experimental oh, as always bring me my new life 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 bring me my new Bring me my new life. You gotta imagine this ride symbol just going the whole time. Bring me my new eyes. Make them clear. Make them wide. But first fill them up with tears so I can wash away those wasted years. Wasted years. skin bring me my new skin make it thick make it sing when you say those nasty things I won't feel a thing when I hear your tired name no I
Bring me my new bed. 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 Bring me my new bed to rest my sleepy head. Move it out, take it all, throw the pillows down the hall. Clear the slate, clean the ground, a whole new way. Whole new way, lay me down. Bring me my new life, bring me my new life, bring me my new life. Yeah, Hollywood. There you go. Sometimes you just got to conjure it up. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm so glad you sang that song today. I think we all need some newness in our lives. Um, so thank you for yeah, being thanks here. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Mona Lisa, for suggesting I come along. Absolutely, and you're always welcome here at Mutiny Radio. Um, so I know you're actually heading down the coast a little bit today, mm-hmm. so um, maybe next time you come we could do a, a longer set, but mm-hmm. what do you have coming up next, and how can people connect to you and your music? Um, so, uh, well, I'm coming back out to the Bay Area the weekend of March 23rd, 24th, uh, I'm playing a show at the Berkeley Plaza, the new downtown on the Plaza Berkeley BART station on the 23rd, along with Cello Joe, and then uh, an all-women's show in Santa Cruz on, at the Kulumba Jazz Center on the 24th of March. And then otherwise, um, have some music online at radwoman.com, R-A-D-W-O-M-A-N.com, or my name, Polly Wood, P-O-L-L-Y-W-O-O-D dot W-S. Very cool. Yeah. I'm so glad you were here today to bring your energy into the room and conjure up. Yeah, um, you can always add new verses to that song. Bring me a new whatever. Bring it. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you for being part of this Women Who Rock episode. You certainly rock, and you are opening up channels here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bring in our our, our new guest right now um mari fong thank you so much for being here as well um i know that you're a music journalist but you've worked in the music industry for a long time uh, both as a producer for sirius xm radio but also as a professional coach um to a lot of musicians and uh recently we're in the bay area to go to the or i'm sorry southern california to go to the she rocks um, awards, awards. Right. So, uh, thank you for being here on Women's Magazine today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Me too. I, you know, we're getting a lot of going to have a lot of different voices coming in. Pamela Parker's calling in in just a couple minutes. But um, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit uh, more about uh, kind of wh- where you are in, in in your roles that that you're currently serving, you know, the world and through the music industry. Well, I was a uh, former music editor for a Los Angeles newspaper uh, through Campus Circle Media, and through that, I've been fortunate enough to be able to interview uh, different bands, talk with them one-on-one, and write some great articles. Uh, But through that, I also found that, um, you know, there were a lot of struggles and challenges uh, to being a touring musician, even to being a local musician. And right now, um, you know, with all of all of the tragic things that have happened with um, artists like Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington, uh, Mac Miller, people that have uh, 
uh, weren't able to survive their their own life challenges, I'm really become an advocate for musicians and their mental health. Uh, so I became certified to be a life coach for musicians. And since then, I've also been putting on different events to raise money uh, to be able to speak out more on mental health and uh, the music industry. Uh, I put on a an event called the Chinatown Get Down, and I partner with different nonprofits like Homeless Healthcare Los Angeles. Um, the last one I did was uh, to support Sweet, Re uh, Sweet Relief Musicians Fund uh, to raise money again for musicians and mental health. Uh, so that's basically my my focus right now is just to start the conversation. Um, and also to talk about solutions uh, to have better mental health. I'm so glad you're here to join us today, and you're going to be kind of my constant guest throughout the rest of the hour. Um, we do have a phone call coming in right now from Pamela Parker. So let's talk to her because she is a, an active musician. She's um, a professional here in the San Francisco Bay Area, but also a touring musician who is a sound engineer at Hyde Street Studios. Pamela Parker, are you with us? Hey, how's it going? Really well. Thank you so much for calling in today. I'm sitting here with Mari Fong, and we were just talking about kind of uh, how to approach, you know, the balance of life as a musician. Um, so we played one of your songs earlier, and uh, oh, are, are you uh, on tour right now? Um, we just got done doing a show at the Independent in San Francisco last Saturday, which was awesome. And we're not really on tour, no. We just did that one show, and we are going to be hitting other places. We're going to be up in Alpine Meadows. We're going to be playing the Earth Day Festival in San Francisco. And so, yeah, we're going to be moving around. So is a lot of your work right now, tell, talk about your experiences um, as uh, at the Hyde Street Studios. Um, how long have you been doing that? And uh, where did, what kind of did, square did you start from? And where have you gone uh, since then? Um, I started at Hyde Street Studios about 11 years ago. And before that, I had been working at studios in the Washington, D.C. area where I'm from. Um, I got a couple degrees in music in that area. Uh, one of them was vocal performance with a double minor in piano and guitar. And then the second one was commercial music, which was more like being a record producer, an engineer, writing arrangements, writing charts, um, doing orchestration, conducting orchestras, writing for jazz bands. Um, that was more of the commercial music bachelor's degree so from that um, I had to do an internship for my college degree and I called up Michael Franti and he hooked me up with one of his producer engineers Jay Bowman so I came out to San Francisco to do an internship with Jay Bowman and then through Jay Bowman I met Maestro Curtis who showed me all these really amazing things like color theory um, sound therapy, you know, sound healing, how you could heal through sound and uh, what colors could do for people, you know, how they could change their moods and um, make them feel a different feeling. So I just thought that was so great. I decided I really wanted to move out here because it was a little bit different um, 
you know, otherwise I was going to maybe move to New York and work at Electric Lady Studios. Um, so I moved out here, and when I moved out here, <clears throat> I asked a friend of mine who was living here, who was also a musician, Eric McFadden, um, I asked him, you know, what studio is your favorite in the Bay? And he said Hyde Street Studios. So I called them up, and um, one of their interns had dropped off the Wednesday schedule. So <clears throat> I took that schedule, and then from there I climbed my way, and now I'm a staff engineer, and I bring in my own clients, and they give me clients as well. So I produce and engineer, and I also play on different sessions as well there. That's kind of what that looks like for me. I love the the awesome kind of uh, organic nature of of the evolution of your career so far. Um, so, how do you tend to balance your your life? Um, I know you're you're doing a lot of sound engineering and work for other people and, and sitting on sessions, as you said. Um, how do you balance that with also your own uh, music and, and your creative process? Uh, sure. Well, I don't really do a lot of sessions. I only do sessions that I want to do. So, you know, it's not really every day for me. You know, although I do feel like I'm at the studio every day, maybe doing something. But mostly, you know, I work on my own projects. And then I'll take on clients if I really dig their projects. So it is really a project-by-project project basis. Um, you know, if someone really needs me, I'll step in and I'm available. That's fine. Um, but I'm not really too busy doing that um, just because I'm focusing on my own music career. I can't really do that all the time. Um, you know, it's almost like a one-third and then a two-third. So I'm one-third doing the sound engineering producing thing and then two-thirds doing my own thing um, with performing and there's just a million other things to do it's insane the list of things so I don't know about a balance I don't know if I've struck any kind of a balance really um, yoga definitely helps me feel like I'm more balanced and so you know I really try to do that every morning at least a little bit and do some meditation and try to think about what I want to create for the day, you know, so that creates a little bit of a balance in me, but I feel like really I'm working all the time on either one of those two projects, either the someone else's project or my own project. So that's kind of what that looks like. <laughs> you know, you mentioned that uh, you worked with Michael Fronte and uh, I just, last week I was just um, at his uh, uh, performance uh, where he mm -hmm. presented his film, Stay Human, and also sang some of his new songs from his new album. Right. He's such a positive person and he really gets people feeling really good with his music. What was it when you worked with him that was kind of the takeaway message, um, something that you learned from him just by working you know, with, with him and you know, kind of seeing his process? Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't work with him. He just hooked me up with an internship working with one of his producer engineers. So he was more of a catalyst for me. Um, he said that he had just finished work on Everyone Deserves Music. And they actually recorded Everyone Deserves Music at Hyde Street Studios. Um, I don't know if they recorded it all there, but I know that they recorded at least some of it there, if not all of it. Um, so I almost got to work on that project with him, but he was finished, so he just sent me over to Jay Bowman, 
And, you know, so I didn't really work with Michael Franti himself. He really just was a nice guy, you know, and hooked me up with an internship because I needed the internship to graduate from college. Right. So, you know, for me, I met Michael Franti on the jam cruise in 2004. So I had kept in touch with him from 2004 to 2007, I think it was. I came out to do my internship and, you know, I had sent him like my old band CD and just kind of kept in touch with him. And, you know, he was nice enough to let me into his world enough to kind of hook me up with Jay Bowman. So for me, like, I think really a takeaway about him is that he really has a community spirit. And I felt like even though I was really nobody to him, he still helped me. And I just thought that was the coolest thing because he's a really great guy and I love what he sings about and what he stands for. You know, when I first experienced his band on the jam cruise, at the time I had really been looking for an inspiration to some artist to inspire me who was doing good in the world. And so when I saw his band play for the first time, I thought, wow, this is this is someone who's going to really inspire me a lot. And, um, you know, on the jam cruise, he was having people come up and talk to him, and he just had, like, a whole line of people that wanted to talk to him. And, you know, I was one of those people. So it was just kind of one of those things that I kept in touch, and he somehow was able to answer my phone call <laughs> and hook me up. So I just felt really special and that he took time to even – help me you know because it didn't really do anything for him so I felt like that was a really nice gesture of him to do yeah he's just an uplifting person and I'm it's good to hear that he's an authentic person you know that he is as nice and kind as he appears to be on stage and he, mm-hmm. You know, you're talking about inspiration. He um, has this film now called Stay Human, and it's all about that. It's all about people that he's met all around the world that have inspired him. And oh, cool. uh, now it's all coming out through his music. So thank you for that. Yeah. yeah and, awesome. and Pamela, having seen you perform many times, I mean, you come out there and you just rock. And I'm like a you know classic rock girl myself. I mean, I don't play yeah. it, but I've certainly grew up with it. And I, I would probably fall back and say that's probably my favorite type of music. So I've seen you perform live and you are really inspiring because you're like, whoa, who is that badass up there on stage? So um, just kind of like, you know, you responding to other people's live music. What kind of response do you get to yours? Like people coming up to you after the show um and uh yeah what's that what's that been like for you oh well um thank you so much for the kind words <laughs> i you know i it, there's so many different reactions but i know a common reaction is you know wow you play really great guitar you know a lot of people don't expect me to play a solo i think um, oftentimes, I remember at the last show at the Independent, when I kind of like walked up to the edge of the stage and was doing my ripping solo, I noticed for the first time in the set, you know, um, I noticed these guys that they're just like, their mouth was just open and they were talking to each other like, oh my gosh, do you see that? I can't believe it, you know? And so I feel like I inspire a lot of women 
who they come up and they say to me like, wow, you've really inspired me so that I feel like I could do that too. And to me, that's worth everything, you know, because what I really like to do is inspire other people to be who they want to be, you know, and that's even a lyric in the Believe song, you know, is to be who you want to be. And a lot of times I think in the world now, because, you know, especially in the Bay Area where bills are very high, rent is very high, um, a lot of people aren't really thinking about what inspires them. They're just trying to pay their bills and make sure they stay alive till tomorrow, you know, and feed their children and make sure their children have good schools to go to and clothes on their back and you know, for anyone to be able to reach past that part of their life into an artistic inspiration is really why I love to share myself with the audience because it's something that it's been really hard to do and I've <laughs> I've tried to quit a few times, but I don't know, it's just it keeps me going to know that other people are so inspired yeah. by what I'm doing because I can't really stop doing it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just who I am. Yeah. So it means a lot when other people come up to me and they validate what I'm doing and tell me that it helps them feel like they could do what they want to do too. So that's kind of the you know, the main thing that I received from the audience is their feelings of inspiration. Thank you for sharing that with us, because um, I feel like inspiration, I, th I really appreciate what you said about inspiration, because people may not be focused on, on looking what for, for what inspires them in this, you know, busy, busy world. Um, so yeah, keep up the awesome work that you're doing um i really appreciate you and your music and i always tell people about you so um it's Thank it's you. a really great way all, you know you're so talented and uh that that definitely uh vibrates you know uh beyond <laughs> places that we know right inspiration is kind yeah. of this invisible ripple um that goes out so um I'm so happy yeah. to, to have that. And I thank you for, for sharing that on this show here on women's magazine. Cause that's kind of what we're talking about today is, you know, how to, how do, you know, not just any artists, but women, um, you know, kind of roll with, um, the demands of, um, working in, in, in entertainment and, and in the arts. So, um, yeah. kind of before we let you go and we'll play one of your other songs, um, do you have any advice for particularly young women or young musicians who are um, really trying to get to a spot where they can, you know, realize their, their dream and, and, and keep up with it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, persistence and dedication are two very big words that will definitely see you through to your goals and your dreams becoming reality, you know, uh, I've definitely had my fair share of men in the industry who, you know, one man, one guy heard I worked at Hyde Street Studios at the time. It was like nine years or 10 years. And he said, oh, do you work at the front desk? Uh -huh. And I seriously really wanted to hit him, like violently be upset with him. And I was like, 
You know what? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. What else do people do here? Because they don't pay at the front desk. So what is a job that you that people do here? You know, and, and this man took a really a while, a long, hard thought in his brain to really come to the conclusion that I was an engineer. And, you know, so that stuck with me, obviously. And I just feel like, you know, there's always going to be some dude who just doesn't see you for who you are. And that's what, you know, that's what kind of keeps me going in a way because I'm like, wow, they really know who I am and that's okay. You know, they'll eventually figure it out if they really want to get to know me. And so for, for me, like, I just feel like I have to believe in myself in what I'm doing and I can't look to other people to give me that you know I have to know okay I know what I'm doing I have to know where I want to go you know and that just helps me keep grounded because in it's really such a male-dominated industry and so constantly I'm working much harder than people and even being put on festival bills you know, it's like, well, they already have a female on the bill, so how am I going to get on it, too? You know, um, it's kind of like really raising my voice and trying to talk to all these different people that I deal with in the industry of, like, booking shows and in the industry of being an engineer and a producer. Just continuing to have a voice keeps me heard by everyone, you know. And when I really get down to it, everyone does want to include me, you know, so... It's not really that, like, the men don't want to include me. It's really just that I have to be persistent and say, like, no, I belong here, you know, and they might not be used to it yet, but they're starting to get used to it. And I feel like, you know, it's a much more respectful environment today than it was 11 years ago. So I just have to say, you know, to all the women out there that are looking for a career in engineering, producing, or in performing – is just to keep doing it and be the best at what you do. And no one will be able to deny your power, you know, if you really hold it. Right on, Pamela Parker. So many good good uh, things to share. Um, we'll totally direct people to your website, PamelaParkerRocks.com, which is absolutely true um, for upcoming shows, right? That's where people can check in there, too. And you're also on Instagram at PamelaParkerRocks. Um, so yeah. uh, we've just been so blessed to have you today and I'm going to play another one of your songs and Mari's got a, a, a comment to throw in towards the end here no I was going to say just keep persisting I mean I've talked to female fronted uh, singers and um, you know a lot of the men have a hard time even um, being part of a female fronted band um, you know I've had singers female singers tell me that you know when they interview guitarists they're like well I'm sorry I can't be a part of a band that's fronted by a female and you know there's really is much more persistence um, as a woman in the music industry so props to you you know keep going and I know that sometimes it gets tough but it's so important that you just you know be this great example of passion and persistence and inspiration so thank you for that 
Well, thank you. Yeah, and I just want to say, too, I feel really blessed with the members in my band because they're so respectful and they're so talented, and it really is a team effort with my band. Um, you know, I have Chris McGrew on the drum, um, Spence Murray on the bass, and Tom Finch on the guitar, and then I play guitar and piano as well. So, you know, me and Tom do dueling leads, and then he also takes a lots and lots of burning leads. You know, he's amazing. And um, I feel so, well, again, I really just feel blessed <laughs> to have these guys in my court, you know, in my corner. And um, I was going to mention, too, we're going to be playing at Earth Day on April 20th in San Francisco. So that's definitely going to be our next San Francisco show. Right on. And and that's uh, Pamela Parker's Fantastic Machine? Right, yeah, the Fantastic Machine is the name of the album. Okay. And then... Yeah, the band is just Pamela Parker, but, you know, for a brief moment, we were doing Pamela Parker's Fantastic Machine just to kind of have a more fun name. You know, I, I like that name. The guys kind of just like my name as the band name, so that's <laughs> funny because I asked them to come up with a name, and they came up with my name. <laughs> so they were like, yeah, we just like your name. It sounds like a superhero, so well, you, you know, I felt like... Okay, let's keep it. <laughs> well, you are a superhero, a super shero of rock and roll. Pamela Parker rocks, no doubt. So um, I'm going to play your song Fearless, and then we're getting a, another call in on this Women in Rock and Roll show. So thank I'm you ready. so much again. Look forward to seeing you soon. We'll see you at Earth Day, if not before then. All right, thank you. Thank you. And this is a song by Pamela Parker called Fearless appropriately enough.
All right. You are listening to Women's Magazine. I'm Global Val. We're here at Mutiny Radio Studios here in San Francisco's Mission District. And it's a beautiful day. We're talking to women who rock uh, and uh, women in the music industry. So we have a call coming in right now um, from Shoshana Zisk, who's the co-producer of the SF Music Tech Summit. Um, she's also an entertainment lawyer, and um, she has been the CEO for ticketing and uh, affairs for George Clinton, um, and uh, she's also been, um, she's currently or recently the musical director for Rent, uh, the musical, uh, both here in San Francisco and in Hollywood, California. Um, so many um, experiences and, and you know, both musical and legal and, and in the business world of music. Um, Shoshana Zisk, thank you so much for calling in from across the country, I believe. Yes, you're welcome. Yeah, I'm on the East Coast uh, at the moment, so thanks for having me. Absolutely, um, and I know you've got we've got kind of a limited time that, for this afternoon, but maybe we'll be able to stretch our legs in a in a subsequent um, interview. But um, we're talking today about uh, women in rock and roll, so to speak. Um, but you, as a, you know, as a as a a musician yourself, um, a performer, a musical director, but also as an entertainment lawyer. Um, how, what are some what are some of the challenges that you see um, for entertainers? Uh, you mean just just today? Well, yeah. you know what? I think the challenges that we're facing now are a little bit different than the challenges that I faced at the beginning of my career. So at the beginning of my career, um, through you know through the '90s and just while it was still just CDs, it was really really hard to get onto the playing field because there were these bottlenecks that either an A&R person had to decide that you would be recorded or there's only so many shelves in the music store, you know. And today is a different challenge because now the playing field is leveled. Um, so anybody can make a website or go to DistroKid or TuneCore and they can, anybody can get their music up online. But now the trick is how do you get noticed? How do you get to popular? And I think that's really what the challenge is now is just when ev- when anybody – can can be in the in the music industry how do you how do you set yourself apart so how does the music tech summit support artists well we actually support the whole ecosystem so my goal in producing the sf music tech summit was to really get together the community um not just the tech community not just the music community but everybody in the whole ecosystem um we were finding before we started producing the sf music tech summit that everybody would go to austin for south by southwest just to see each other and have meetings and so there really was a need to have something where people can get together in san francisco uh we're working on right now our 20th sf music tech summit so we've done a lot of them and i really feel that a vibrant community um did form and i've seen a lot of people get together um when we did our first conference for example uh pandora was a sponsor and they were just the music genome project and that was it just the they were just getting the dna from the songs and after a certain number now they're a publicly traded company and then they were acquired already by, you know, just a lot of different things and a lot of different changes, you know, in the landscape. But the important thing is getting everybody together. And that's what, as an artist, sometimes you can feel really isolated. You can go to other people's shows. Maybe you could have band practices, but it's not the same as going and there's a thousand people and all interested in talking to each other and 
trying to do deals with each other, trying to create projects with each other. And that's really what the summit provides. So um, since since we're here on Women's Magazine today, um, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you kind of from your perspective, at least at this point in time, um, what are some of the ways that women musicians uh, particularly are are thriving in their professions? What are some of the keys that are that are helping them really, um, you know, do what they do and do what they want to do? And also, you know, do it professionally, because a lot of musicians obviously do it as a side thing. You know, they have, you know, quote unquote day jobs. Um, but there's so many talented people out there who, like yourself, um, you know, want to pursue their art and, and, and make it their lifestyle. Yes. And you know what? That's one of the things that I'm noticing a lot more about the, the next generation coming up. It's every millennial that I've met has a side hustle. Everybody has the job that they do, and then the other job they're doing on the side at home or their website or their, you know, and their thing that they're working on. And so, whereas I think that, uh, you know, in, in younger times that people would pick one career and just sort of be like, this is me, this is my identity. And I think that as time has evolved, at least in my career, I'm seeing a lot of people that are wearing a lot of different hats. And it's very rare to see somebody just say, I'm just purely a musician, you know, and that's it. And I don't want to think about marketing. I don't want to think about the computer. I don't want to think, you know, that's, I I don't see that at all anymore, you know. So I definitely feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of space for women in, in the music industry now. And it's, and you don't really have these gatekeepers either that are sort of telling women they can be in it or they can't be in it or you have to be hired or you have, you know what I mean? It's just like, you can just decide you want to be in the music industry and there's room for you uh, now. So it's kind of like a great time, I think, for women. With the internet also, it's allowed women to be more entrepreneurial uh, as far as having their own business and being able to go directly to fans instead of having to go through maybe a record label um, a lot of women are kind of doing it on their own now. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, now we can go ahead and reach people from other countries just through our computer. And that just yes. makes it so much easier and so much more direct, right? You don't have to I go have- through all of the, the middlemen or the middle people. Well, I also think the art is getting better because of it, right? Because if the way the system was before, if you wanted to get recognized, you had to somehow persuade an A&R person or persuade a record label based on your commercial viability. And now all you have to do is connect with your fans, find your fans, and that's who you're really, that's who you're making art for, or for the people who you're connecting with, not for the people that you think are judging you. So I really feel like the art is getting better too. I agree. Yeah. Yes. It opens up creativity and free mm-hmm. expression and yes. uniqueness because w- with the internet, it's just there's room for everybody, right? You yes. just got to find your tribe, you know, or, yes. and your fans. Yes. And so, so Shoshana, Shoshana, I'm sorry. Um, and, and that's that's Mari Fong. She's she's here in studio with me today. Um, she's uh, someone who supports artists and, and musicians both as a professional coach and and also has has been as a as a journalist as well. Um, so I, I'm really happy to have so many professional women in the music world um, as part of this show today. Um, so I, I'm really um, inspi- encouraged and inspired, and I hope our listeners are as well um, by what you were saying about not having to you know fit into a particular category just to get to the next level um how we have this the internet being the the leveler um yes 
but um, and, and if you have another minute or so, um, what kind of advice or um, perhaps even cautions would you give to some up and come or, you know, people who are starting out and trying to get their name out there? Um, I, I guess kind of from, you know, that more um, functional legal perspective of people who want to make sure that they're, um, you know, kind of getting their fair share for their art. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so the first piece of advice that I would have would be, um, which may be unrelated, but to, to go out and go to other people's shows. Don't just try to get people to live in your world, but try to live in other people's world as well so that you're not just, uh, you know, like looking out at the ecosystem, but that you're part of it, you're a productive part of it. And so not just going to other people's shows, but also going to conferences, also going to songwriting workshops, going to just getting out there, getting out there and socializing with other people that care about music the way that you do. And you'll find your opportunities that way. You'll find your best friends that way. You may, you know, uh, you may find that your whole career gets shaped by just your networking. Uh, so that would be my one piece of advice is to make sure that you're not just in your room practicing all the time, but you do get out. And then the other piece of advice that's more like lawyerly um, advice is that I know a, a lot of people do wait still for that contract or somebody that believes in them and wants to give them a, you know, uh, be their manager or be their, you know, and that um, my advice would be not to look so much at the contract, what the contract says, what the terms are, what's within the four corners of that document, but always think about who this person is that's giving me the contract because you could have a contract that's bad, but a person that's really great and your life is going to be really good. You can have a great contract, but a person who's kind of a stinker and it's not going to be good. You know what I mean? So, so it's not just getting good legal advice and just looking at what's within the documents that you get, but really thinking about the people and the personalities of the people that, that you'll be working with. And that's really where the true opportunity is, is that when you find somebody that cares about your music and you also feel bonded to them, then that's, that's really when you're going to find yourself catapulting to the next level. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so when is the next um, SF Music Tech Summit coming up and how can people it connect? Been, it hasn't been announced yet. Okay. Um, but, but we will be announcing it soon. The best thing that you could do is go to sfmusictech.com and join our mailing list and we will be making an announcement soon and then you'll know or you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter, SF Music Tech. Fantastic. Shoshana Zisk, thank you so much for calling in from the East Coast um, to here yeah. at MutinyRadio.fm. We'll be sharing the podcast um, after uh, the show. So thank you so much, and we'll, we'll chat again, I hope. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. <laughs> Well, Mari, we're having a fun afternoon here on Women's Magazine. <laughs> yes, we are. We've got we're a- learning a lot and uh, lots of education, a lot of knowledge from these beautiful, talented women. Absolutely. So y- you've been here, you know, participating and listening. Um, is there anything that that's come up this afternoon that um, kind of ties into some of the, some of the things that you're working on, or things that you're, you know, concerned about or opening up to at this time? Well, one thing that I've that I kind of relate to is um, I've talked to female uh, singers and interviewed them, and a lot of them will say, you know, once they get on stage, uh, they feel like people will look at them just because they're a woman. Like, what do you have for me? You know, show me what you got, without 
having like a neutral uh, just view of, you know, of a talented musician. So there's always kind of like a proving ground, I think, for women in music um, because, it, you know, we are a minority. I mean, even if you go into um, Guitar Center, it always seems like I'm the only woman out there that's just, you know, getting gear or asking questions and so forth. And um, that's why, like, um, organizations uh, that, like that put on the She Rocks Awards where they support and encourage women in rock, uh, whether it's business or whether it's uh, being an artist or musician, are so important because it's, it's great to be able to shor- share stories and encourage each other and just uh, continue re- to persist. And uh, what about your own kind of, you know, personal experience um, working with musicians and as a journalist, too, and as a photographer? um, How do you feel like you are received in in certain ways? And what are some of the ways that you have kind of broken through some barriers in that regard? Well, I feel like, uh, first of all, I was fortunate enough to work for a media company that didn't put the same kind of pressures as maybe some other companies did on trying to get the gossip or mm-hmm. get like the dirt on a band. Um, I was really free to kind of interview and uh, really find out the information that I wanted to, that I was curious about. And I think with that, um, and with more of a caring uh, nature about me and curious nature, uh, a lot of bands um, would open up to me and tell me things that they said, I've never told that to any other journalist. And I felt really honored and flattered by that. But they said that they sensed um, trust with me Hmm. and um, that I would be open with them as far as non-judgmental. And... um, you know, that's how I, I normally would would approach a band or an, or an artist. Uh, I do feel like people have something that they really want to say, and it's just having that open forum to allow them to express that. Um, so I, th- I think being a woman and um, having that, you know, caring, curious nature has allowed people, more people to open up and just tell their stories. I, I, I'm with you on that. I feel like... Um when you're willing to just kind of open it up and listen to people, mm-hmm. that's when they f- end up talking about things that they weren't really planning or even thinking about sharing um, and, and kind of creating a forum for that. And so h- how's that playing out in your work right now as a professional coach and working with people, uh, especially trying to support people um, and specifically artists and musicians um, like mental health and work-life balance. Um, how's that? How's that? Uh, yeah. Tell us because t- we were chatting before the show. Right. But I want you to tell our, our, our listeners out there kind of what you've seen and, and how, how that's working for people. Well, I think one thing that you keyed in on is listening, and um, it's so important to listen not only to people's words but to their nonverbal communication. Um, I am an advocate for musicians and mental health. Um, I have spoken with artists um, like Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park, and um, finding out that they've hurt themselves uh, through... Um, struggles with depression and uh, eventually being suicidal uh, really affected me. And I felt like if 
we're able to open up more and talk more about what's going on with people and also be able to actively listen um, that we can help all of these artists and musicians that are secretly struggling. And I do think that there are signs out there that people are missing. Um, and I would like to see it so that I'd like to see a society where um, people in general, especially men, can come out and uh, find support and encouragement um, if they're struggling uh, mentally with their mental health. And it happens with all of us, but I think as women, we are fortunate enough to have a strong support system. We come to each other if we have a, a problem, if there's something that's going on in our lives, and that's completely natural for us. If we need help, we can go to a doctor and we could feel good about it. You know, we feel that we're doing the intelligent, smart thing to ask for help. However, with men, you'll find statistically, um, there are higher suicide rates within men because they don't have that support s system. They're being asked to um, don't talk about it, you know, buck up, you know, get over it. Mm -hmm. uh, hey, let's go out for a drink. Let's go to the game. I mean, these are the ways um, men deal with things, they say, on a side-by-side -side basis. Let's say, you know, sit next to me and, you know, let's maybe push it under the rug and try to forget about it instead of really listening and dealing with what's going on with that person. And that's what that person really needs, especially if they've come to you as a man um, and said, hey, you know, I'm having um, problems uh, at home or with my girlfriend. We need to know how to respond to that. Um, and also talk about solutions. You know, what is it that has helped you? Uh, or I in in dealing with these challenges and you know help them find guidance and lend support yeah and I, I I'm obviously I, I can feel your warm energy and why people would you know want to talk to you and trust you um, and we just have a few more minutes here on, on women's magazine today um, but I think that it is a really important conversation to be having um, to not only see the signs which maybe you can um, talk to for a moment, um, but also to kind of have more resources, you know, just as, as individuals, you know, if a friend comes to talk to you, um, how do you, you know, help, help them other than just like listening, you know, listening mm -hmm. is, is a great step. Um, but I feel like when we see instances where, you know, we have a, a famous person who has died by overdose or suicide or something that it becomes this tragic event, but, and, and we start talking about, oh, well, mental health is important, but then the buck kind of stops there and we never kind of pushes it forward to say, well, what kind of support do people need? Well, that's the thing is that, um, even if we're just talking about depression and anxiety, there's so many different solutions and there's so many different reasons why somebody is struggling. It's not necessarily trauma or um, a shock in, in their life, uh, maybe a death, but it can also be a chronic illness. It could be hormonal changes. It could be um, so many different things. So I want people to really open up and realize that um, these symptoms of, you know, maybe withdrawing, um, being overworked, uh, you know, just um, really disconnecting from society, these are all things, they're, they're all red flags. 
Um, as far as solutions go, um, you know, there's simple lifestyle changes, uh, whether it's health um, supplements. I mean, I've, I've gone through and had um, different testing, allergy testing, to find out what minerals and vitamins that I was deficient in, deficient in um, along with different um, foods that I'm allergic to. And these all affect your body, which all affect your organs and your mind. Um, medication. You know, I don't want to discount medication. Of course, all of us, you know, would like to think that we can go through things in a natural way. But if medication, antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications are helping you, then be open to that or be open to trying that. And of course, you know, um, talking with people, uh, reaching out to support groups um, like depression, I'm Bipolar uh, Support Alliance. There's different organizations that can be anon where you can call in anonymously. Um, those are people that are open to talk with you, along with other people that are struggling with some of the same symptoms, which really makes you feel more connected when you're in a really bad place. Mm -hmm. And when you're in a really ba bad place, you do feel con disconnected from society, no matter how many loving, supporting people are around you. So, um, you know, the thing is, is, is really to keep trying and to continue to be persistent. Well, Mari, I, I really appreciate you being here on Women's Magazine today. Um, where can people find some of the articles that you've written, or where, where's a good place to kind of find out um, more about your work or connect with you? Well, um, you can go on campuscircle.com. Um, there's an archive of um, a lot of my articles. Perfect person to host this show. Everybody, put your hands together for Justin Lockwood! Keep it going for Pam! Thank you all so much for coming out. It's the last show of the night. Make some noise! We're smoking weed indoors. Yeah! A little bit of a surprise just to start the evening off. Uh, this is actually an intervention. You all need help. It's the only way we could do it. This is amazing. Thank you all for coming out to Weed is Legal here at the Mutiny Comedy Festival in San Francisco. We're smoking weed inside. It's a shitty thing that this is a radio show. We need some. <laughs> doesn't translate over the airwaves. Everybody who's listening, you have no idea what this room of misfits looks like. <laughs> um, it's true. Uh, I was raised on a uh, on a working pot farm in the uh, 80s up in Mendocino by hippie parents. My parents are, <laughs> yes, give it up for my mom and dad, sure. Uh, my mom and dad are real hippies, like authentic 70s hippies. If you want to know what my dad looks like today, just think to yourself, hey, what would it look like if the guy from the Zigzag Papers and Gandalf had a love child? That's what my dad looks like. Still here. Uh, let's see, I feel like we're two months into this year, we're two months into weed being legal, and I feel like we're already running out of things to infuse it with. <laughs> I feel, I feel like we've gone through the, the food, the drinks, the candy, the lotion, I feel like we're running out of shit. My girlfriend and I recently tried weed lube, anybody else, adventurous lovers? No, just me? That's fine, guys, I'll do this by myself. We tried some, that shit is strong. 
We tried just a little bit. Didn't even end up having sex. Uh, her vagina would not stop talking about this dream it had. Um, super annoying. Got the munchies. I just fed it potato chips all night. It sucked. It's awful. Um, yeah. Costco just announced they're going to start selling weed. No, that's true. They are. And it it really it really begs the question, you guys. Um, how much weed do you really need at one time? <laughs> I mean, look, I don't want to get all judgy on anybody here, but like, if you're buying weed and somebody offers to, I don't know, like help you to your car, maybe that's too much weed. <laughs> Here's what I really want to know. What I really want to know is, um, what is that sample table going to look like? Excuse me, excuse me, sir, sir, sir. Hi, hi, how are you today? Hi. Would you like to try some Kirkland Kush? <laughs> you want to hit this? It's good stuff. Can you imagine being stoned in Costco? I would lose my fucking mind. I feel like it would be cool at the time, but I feel like I would get home later, sober up, look around at everything I had bought, like, oh, fuck. Okay, 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 the, uh, the 40 pounds of pretzels makes perfect sense, but why do I have a wetsuit and six gallons of mayonnaise? What was my plan here? <laughs> my mom and dad are very upset about weed being legal, but like uh, as Pam said, that's because they've been selling weed for 40 years and they just don't like competition, you guys. They just don't. Uh, my mom and dad have sold weed my entire life uh, since I was a baby. Uh, I know that for a fact because my birth certificate lists my weight in grams. Um, it's true. It's a it's a beautiful document, you guys. It really is. It's just uh, it's just my name, uh, my two little footprints, and my street value. Uh, I was a big baby. I was born at home. It was the only scale they had. It's a true story. Uh, my mom and dad sent my brothers and I to Waldorf School. Uh, if you're not familiar with Waldorf School, that's okay. Uh, it's an alternative school. Uh, it's a hippie school. It's also not really a school. Um, I mean, fine, like, sure, like, technically it's a school, but it's like the kind of school where you can answer a math question with interpretive dance. It's one of those schools, like, I can barely spell or do even basic arithmetic, but, oh, my God, can I play the recorder. I mean, I fucking own hot cross buns, okay? I fucking own it. I don't really know how money works, but I can make a dream catcher out of pipe cleaners and dental floss, so I'm killing it. <laughs> I feel like I lost some of you on that one. <laughs> anybody, else, uh, anybody else have kids? Yeah? Yeah, just one other sad person? All right, good. <laughs> Everybody else made better life choices. That's cool. That's great. I, uh, I know some parents that can smoke around their kids. I cannot. I have a seven-year-old boy, uh, and if I smoke around my son, he just fucks with me nonstop. I'll get, like, really, really high, and then he'll look at me and say, like, Dog, do trees have dreams? I don't know, Shiloh. Fuck! <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't sleep for, like, three days on that one. It's too stressful. Hanging out with a seven-year-old boy is like hanging out with a just really loud, emotionally unstable hobo. It's, 
He's just little and sticky and he stinks. I spend most of my time just chasing him around while he screams like, I want a drink. I want to ride the train. I'm sad and I don't know why. <laughs> oh my God. I, uh, I live in Berkeley now with my son. Anybody else? Berkeley? Thank fucking God. That place has gotten super uptight, guys. Really, really uptight. Every joke that has ever been made about Berkeley is actually the God's honest truth. Berkeley is just a coven of angry lesbians that are all raising their adopted pets to be transgendered vegans. Like, I love it, but it's true. My son's name is uh, Shiloh, which is a very straightforward name for us Jews. Uh, some of the names of the other kids in my son's class, though, have gotten entirely out of hand, like a Berkeley school is the only place you'll hear an announcement that goes, <laughs> pardon the interruption, namaste, please report to the principal's <laughs> office, namaste, <laughs> resist, your mother's here to get you, resist, your mom's here. Okay, so those two are made up, but this is true. This year, <laughs> my son's desk buddy, like the little kid that sits next to him all year, his name is Kale. K-A-L-E. And don't get, no, Kale is a very, very sweet young man. Very nice little boy. I like him a lot. But I feel super bad for Kale uh, because Kale is going to grow up to be a man one day, and uh, nobody wants to fuck Kale. Just nobody. Nobody wants to yell the words, yeah, give it to me, Kale. You're an animal, Kale. Don't stop, Kale. Hippie parents have got to stop naming their children unfuckable names. It needs to stop. No more feather, no more river. I'm pretty sure Kale's little sister is named Arugula. We need to end this shit. It's tough being a parent here in the Bay Area. I mean... <laughs> I'm sure it's tough everywhere, but you know. Jesus, I am getting high just standing up here. I don't know if I'm going to get through this set without needing a taco or something. It's, uh, it's tough being a parent here in the Bay Area. Most of my friends work at like big companies in the city. I don't work at one of those companies. Sometimes we go out. I feel left out of the conversation. I've come up with a solution, though. Uh, I just never, ever refer to my son as my son. Uh, I only refer to him as my startup. Um, not going great, guys. It's really not. It's been seven years, still hasn't turned a profit. Um, you know, ever since I started him with my now ex-co-founder, I, uh, I kind of feel like I'm just dumping money into this thing, and so far the only thing it's developed is like a real attitude problem. <laughs> this is not the joke for this crowd. I have misjudged <laughs> this moment. I have nothing to fall back on as a parent either. I have, I'm a very different parent than my parents. When your parents, when you grow up like I did and your parents sell weed, like it makes it very difficult for them to punish you in any kind of way, like whatsoever. It's just, you know, Justin, you better get those grades up or you're grounded. Okay, Dad, I'll work on Wait a second, are you still breaking federal law, motherfucker? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm fine. I think I'm good. All right, let's see. What do I want to close on here? I feel like uh, I feel like we've gotten to know each other a little bit. Let's get personal. Let's get down to it, guys. Should we do it? Should we do it? Let's do it. Has anybody here ever discovered that they have a sexual fetish by accident? 
don't make it complicated, guys. It could be anything at all, okay? Keep it simple. You could be, um, I don't know, you could be you could be eating ice cream, some falls in your lap, and you get a boner, okay? It could be that easy. I know you might be thinking right now, Justin, that's a weird example, but there's at least two guys here right now who are like, I'm going to try that later. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I discovered one recently. Uh, I was having sex with a girlfriend, like we do. She was on top but facing away from me, uh, a position that other people might recognize as the one where I pretend you're somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> She's on top facing away from me. All of a sudden, she sees her dog in the living room doing something she doesn't like, and she starts yelling, No! Bad boy! Bad, bad, bad boy! And then I come instantly. <laughs> Woo! Really caught me off guard, guys. Really took me by surprise. Even talking about it with you right now, I'm a little excited. It, uh, and the thing is, like, I don't want to talk with her about it. Like, I'm too embarrassed. Like, I don't want to own that one. I don't want to own up to that. Uh, I am teaching the dog to piss on the rug, but I don't want to talk with her about it. Um, which is weird, too, because, like, between the two of us, she is clearly the kinky one. Like, clearly, like, really kinky. Like, the kind of, like the kind of kinky where it's almost stressful. Has that ever happened to anybody else? Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody where, like, if you were in bed together and you couldn't see their hands, you didn't feel safe? Anybody else? Anybody else had a partner where you had to put bubble wrap down on the floor so they couldn't sneak up on you? It's like that. <laughs> All right, guys, we have an amazing lineup of comics tonight. Oh, thank you so much, because I wasn't going to remember anybody's